How are the seats? Oh, good, good, good. Hey, I know some of you, this is your first Sunday with us because it's Easter and, and uh, somebody invited you and we're so glad that you're here, but we got new seats, so just putting that out there. Uh, not, not, I know you shouldn't talk about money on Easter, but I want to say thank you to those of you who gave to our Christmas offering back at the end of last year because that's why we have new seats. Um, if you are new um, throughout our whole history, uh, as we grew and needed seats, there were wonderful organizations that donated seats to us. Every time we needed more seats, new seats showed up, which was fantastic. It's a wonderful God story. But it also meant that we ended up with three different kinds of chairs and three different colors of chairs and three different patterns of chairs. And some of those chairs were really well-worn. Um, they were like definitely hand me down. Some of you sat down this morning and went, whoa, there's a lot of support there. Like, I didn't realize how worn out those chairs were. So you're welcome. You're welcome. So, so glad you're enjoying that today. I, I know there's also a segment of you who have been coming here forever and you never even noticed we had chairs that didn't match. <laughs> you just leaned over to the person next to you and went, did we have different chairs? Are these new chairs? I didn't realize we had. Yeah, we, we do that. Sometimes we just get comfortable with the way things are and we don't notice. Like after a while, you stopped noticing that we didn't have the same chair. Uh, it's like the scratch on your car that bothered you at first, but then you you just stop noticing it or the rip in the upholstery that you you thought you were going to get fixed and then you just stop seeing it you stop noticing it and and it didn't bother you the spot on the carpet and you just pulled a rug over it now you don't see it anymore it's there sometimes we just get comfortable with the way things are we get comfortable in our chair right and and it may be worn out and it may not may not be the greatest but it's ours and and we don't really notice anything different which which is kind of fine when it comes to cars and chairs and carpets and 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 furniture and things i mean it's fine to just not notice things like that um but when it comes to our life i think sometimes we get comfortable with where things are when maybe god wants more for us we get comfortable with the way things have always been. We, we're sort of settled in our own habits, our own patterns, our own way. And God, God may be urging us to experience more from him, or urging us to experience something new from him, to, to experience new life, a, a new stage, a, a new beginning. Here's the truth about life and about spirituality in order for the new to be experienced the old's got to go in order for the new to be experienced you got to move on from the past you got to move on from the old as comfortable as we may be with the current with the present or with the past with what's always been god is always calling us to more god is always saying come on there's more i want you to discover more i want you to experience more but you can't you can't bring everything with you from the past you've got to surrender some things jesus was talking actually about his death and resurrection in john chapter 12 and he uses this analogy he says very truly i tell you unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies it remains only a single seed but if it dies it produces many seeds. It's one of the 
uh, masterful things about Jesus' teaching is that he uses these analogies that were just readily understandable. At least the core concept of the analogy, if you plant a garden or if you're familiar with that process, you get it. This makes sense when it comes to planting a garden. Anybody plant a garden to have, to have their own garden? Nobody in here. You just... Uh, just making us raise our hands yeah some of some of you do some of you uh perhaps you start from seeds like that's the that's the real gardener there you you don't buy the little pots or the little plants like you go all the way back or you get seeds from last season and you've kept them the whole time for this like that's hardcore right there that's hardcore gardening 100% all in when it comes to gardening I don't know if you're any of those or which one of those you are but you get the idea of what Jesus is saying right if you have a seed I, I brought some seeds this morning if you have a seed whether it's wheat I'm guessing most of you don't grow your own wheat maybe you're more like tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers and that sort of thing if you're going to get any harvest if you're going to get any life any newness this has to go away right it has to get buried you have to release this you have to surrender this and then give it time to produce something greater than this seed Je Jesus tells us that if, if we're willing to surrender these little parts of our lives, if we're willing to give up what from eternity's perspective is small, God will do something in us that is huge, that is beyond our imagination, that, that is great. But sometimes it can be hard to let go of this. Our seed... Uh, it, it's, it's difficult to hold loosely because often it embodies all of our past and all of our experiences and all of the things that bring us security. Uh, it, it encompasses all of our opinions and all of our positions and all of our ideas. And there's a part of us that think, if I surrender that, am I going to have to change? Am I going to have to be different? We hold pretty tightly to what's ours and in Jesus' analogy, he's saying, look, here's what you don't understand. I'm not trying to take this from you. I'm trying to get you to surrender your life to me so that I can do even greater things in your life. I, I can bring new hope. I can bring new fulfillment. I, I can bring new vision for your future. But if you're dragging along everything from the past or if you've just gotten comfortable with the way life is you're not going to experience growth. You're not going to experience life the way you were intended to experience life. You can't get that and keep everything that you have. You see, we, we can't become who God intended for us to be if we're holding on to who we've been. Like if we're insisting that we stay the same, I want my life in my ways and the way I see things. And, and Jesus is lovingly saying, can, can, we, can we let go of that a little bit so that I can work in your life, so that I can bring growth to you? It's, it, sometimes it's hard for us to think 
that God may have more for us. We've carved out our life. We've carved out our experiences. And it's hard for us to think that God wants to be a part of what's happening in our life. And he wants to take us somewhere new. He wants to give us something greater. Sometimes it is in the very dying of the past that the future blossoms the most. Uh, spring is the annual reminder of that, isn't it? I mean, every spring we get this reminder that what seems dead can come to life, what seems old can be vibrant again. For months now, the grass has been brown and lifeless and not growing. And many of us are thankful because we haven't had to cut it, right? We haven't had to trim bushes. So there's a win a little bit with that. But you, you look at everything over these last couple of months and there's no color and there's no vibrancy and, and there's no life. I... Um, we have woods behind our house and this, maybe this sounds odd or maybe you can relate to it I've lived through a lot of winters and springs but often in the middle of the winter I'm amazed again at just how bare everything looks there's so much life during the spring and summer that when it disappears you can see so far you can see other houses and it sticks and branches and dormant and dead. It's sometimes shocking. Um, there are al there's always that tree or that plant or that bush where a part of me thinks, you know, that one may not make it this year. I'm not sure that one's going to come back. You know, we, have, we have bushes and plants around the front of our house and, and several of those. I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know. That seems too far gone. And yet, spring comes again. As, as dead as it looks, as dormant as it looks, as hopeless as it looks, spring comes again. And the grass greens. And the, the plants blossom. And color returns birds start to sing we have a bird nest at the back entrance be very careful when you leave we begin to hear music again sounds again that we haven't heard for months and months and what appears hopeless suddenly is vibrant again what appears dead is suddenly living again annually we get this message life returns Life comes from what looks like dead places. And sometimes, not just looking at uh, the winter, but sometimes looking at my life, I have a tendency to wonder, is it always going to be like this? Have you ever been in those places in your life where life is hard and life is difficult or life is challenging? or you've experienced tragedy in your life and you just start thinking, is it always going to feel like this? A am I always going to think about this? Every time I wake up, is this going to be on my mind? Is the relationship always going to be like this? And spring reminds us. 
And Jesus reminds us, no. Death doesn't win. Darkness and death do not have the final word, life wins. That's true every spring. That's true in your life. And whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, and whatever pressure there is in your life, you may look at it and think, I don't think this will ever change. The message of God's word is that life wins. In the immortal words of Dr. Ian Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum on Jurassic Park, life finds a way. Life finds a way in the darkest of places. In what looks like the deadest of places, life finds a way. Maybe not in our timing, maybe not as quickly as we want it to, but life finds a way. This was never more true than in a Middle Eastern town almost 2,000 years ago. There was a Middle Eastern man who'd created quite a stir over the past couple of years as, as he had created this following of people because of his teaching and because of his miracles and because of the level of compassion he showed to hurting and marginalized people, co compassion that was inspiring on the one hand and, and also created even some tension in his own followers. He was loving and kind. He spoke about the kingdom of heaven as if he had been there and knew what it was like. He paused for those that no one else paused for. He said things that penetrated hearts. And yet, after three years of this ministry, there were still those who feared him. There were still those who were threatened by him. There were those who felt like he was moving into their territory and taking away their power because they had always had power. And we know what happens when someone has power. They do whatever it takes to hang on to that power. We see that even today. Those with the most power do whatever it takes to keep their power at the expense of those who are powerless. This is the way the world has always worked. It's not right. It's the way the world has always worked. That if you have power, you use that power to stay in power. And there were people who had power and felt threatened by Jesus and through years of conniving and manipulating and strategizing, they finally came up with a plan that got Jesus arrested. He was tried. He was convicted. He was sentenced to death, but before they executed him, he was beaten. Uh, uh, a form of punishment that often resulted in the loss of life by itself, but Jesus survived the beating and survived the punching and survived the taunting and survived the spitting and was forced to take his cross to the place of execution for six hours he hung on a cross and while he was there he asked God to forgive those who had put him there while he was there he invited a criminal into paradise with him while he was there he made sure that his mother was cared for and with his last breath he said it's finished and he died. 
The Romans wanted to make sure he was dead, and so they pierced his side with a sword, and convincing themselves that he had actually died, they took him down that day. A man named Joseph asked for his body, and his body was taken to a borrowed tomb and placed there. It was too close to the Sabbath for them to finish all of the necessary preparations for burial, so they put him in the tomb and rolled a stone across the front, and everybody went home. The Romans posted guards at the tomb because they, they didn't want Jesus' followers coming up with a plan in the middle of the night to steal his body and claim that he was alive and further the legend of this person. The whole thing could get out of hand if that happened. What the Romans didn't realize was Jesus' followers were incapable of this level of conspiracy at the time. They were incapable of a mission impossible mastermind plan to fool everybody about Jesus because they were devastated. They scattered. They were confused. Some of them denied even knowing Jesus. They huddled together in hiding, afraid that they would be the next one that Rome came for. No, they weren't planning some great escape. It was winter for them. Life was dark. Death had settled in. And I'm guessing... I'm guessing there were moments each of the disciples and followers of Jesus thought, so is this just the way it is now? Will it ever change? Will I ever stop feeling what I'm feeling right now? Will I ever wake up one morning and this not be the first thing on my mind or go to bed at night and it not be the last thing that I think about? Is it always going to be this way? Maybe there'll be brief moments when I'm not thinking about it or maybe a whole hour, but it just comes back. I just keep thinking of all that we've lost. I just keep thinking of what I saw when he died. The disciples had forgotten what Jesus said about a seed. They'd forgotten that Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That line was somehow lost in their memory in the moment of hurt and pain. Or maybe they just weren't good with analogies, right? There are people like that, right? Like I, maybe you're that person. Maybe you're just like, you just got to tell me. I don't paint a picture don't give me an illustration. You just got to tell me just straight. Don't infer, don't suggest don't beat around the bush. Anybody like that? Like, you just got to tell me because I don't get all the analogy. Maybe that's the disciples. They just don't get it. Seed, wheat, we don't get it. But Jesus also said in Matthew 20, 
to his disciples we're going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified on the third day he will be raised to life seems clear doesn't it man oh Jesus went third person that throws some people maybe that was it like we didn't follow the whole third person thing is it you is it somebody else But again, Matthew tells us in Matthew 16, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus said it again and again and again. Look, it's going to get really bad. But that's not the end. There's going to be a death, and that's not going to be the end. The sky's going to get dark, and that's not going to be the end. And you're going to scatter, and you're going to be afraid, and that's not going to be the end because a seed that goes into the ground can produce fruit and life. Matthew tells a story like this. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Death gives way to life. Life finds Away. The story of Easter is that the darkest moment is not the last moment. The darkest moment is a prelude to light and life and growth and hope and eternity. A group of women show up at the tomb. Matthew just mentions two of them by name. Other gospel writers tell us there was a a small group of ladies who went to the tomb. They were the first to get this message. Women were the first not only to receive the message that Jesus was alive, they were the first ones Jesus said, now go tell everybody. They become the first evangelist for Jesus and they begin to share with the guys who were in hiding. He's alive. Spring has come again. Life is new. We've seen him with our own eyes, and we just wonder, how did the disciples miss it? How did they miss it when Jesus said over and over and over again? And the answer, I think, is fairly simple. It's because we miss it. It's 
because we still miss it. 2,000 years later, when we walk through struggles, when we walk through difficulties, when we walk through challenges, we're just like the disciples. Jesus has said, I'll breathe life. What dies will spring to life. There is hope in the darkest places, and yet you're like me. There are times we look at our life and wonder, is this it? Is this all? Will it ever change? The message of Easter is, yeah. Life comes after the hard places. And he gives us this season every year to remind us. Like every year, there's this little reminder when we walk out our door that that place that looks so dead and so dormant is now budding just a little bit. There's just a little bit of green. There's new color. There's new hope. Life finds a way. That's not just a 2,000-year-old story. That's our story today. Whatever you're walking through, this story's for today. Like we, we sang something to the effect of, I, I believe there's a resurrection coming today. I, I believe there's more resurrection possible today, and there is in your life and in my life. But maybe, maybe there are some seeds you need to surrender Maybe there are places in your life, maybe there are circumstances, maybe there are struggles that you're, you've been trying to figure out. Today's the day that you say, God, I'm giving them to you. I'm not holding on to my little seed. I can't figure this out. God, I'm giving it to you to see what you'll do, to see how you'll bring life and hope. I'm gonna trust you with this. God not only brings new life in our circumstances, in our struggles, in our pain. The glorious news of the Bible and the gospel and Easter is that God gives new life to us. God makes us new. God, through the forgiveness of Jesus and his death and resurrection on the cross, offers new life to us. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Yes, for all that you walk through. Yes, for all of your struggles, but more importantly, for you. Through Jesus, God offers new life to leave your past, to be forgiven of your sin. Whatever you've done, however you've failed God or failed others or even failed yourself, the story of Easter is that Christ takes all of that and offers life and hope and forgiveness to you. Look, if you've never... If you've never surrendered the seed of your life to Jesus, this is the day. This is the day. This is the day to stop trying to make it on your own and allow the grace of God through Jesus to fill your life, to fill your heart, to change your eternal destiny. I invite you to do that today. 
Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? And with every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to talk to you for a minute. Maybe you're here and there is a there is a deep struggle that you're in right now. There is a pain that you carry right now. There is a darkness. There is what seems like a death to you. There is a hard place. And you want to ask God to give life in that. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for new creation and new life to spring forth out of the hard places of your life right now and I'm just going to ask you before I pray would you just lift up your hand and say that's me I I need life yes thank you yes I see those hands all over the room God you know the hearts and lives of every person here you know the struggle you know the difficulty you know how many times they've asked is it always going to be this way will it ever change why did this happen But Easter tells us that Friday is not the end. The tomb is not the end. There is life coming. Spring is coming. Hope is coming. Color is coming. Vibrancy is coming. Help us to keep trusting. Help us to see that in our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted God with your life. You've never stepped into a relationship with God by believing that Jesus is his son who lived and died and rose again for you. I want to invite you to do that today. Just to say, God, I give my life to you. I receive the forgiveness for my sins. I believe that Jesus is the Savior who died and rose for me. I want to be your child. I want to follow you. Well, if that's you, we want to pray with you. I want to speak to you after the service. I want to know you. I want to be able to encourage you. God, I pray that we would give all things over to you, the good things, the easy things, the hard things, the things we don't understand, that we would release them to you, that you would give life and hope. Thank you for the Easter story that life does not end in darkness, that you overcame death, hell, the grave, evil, every struggle we'll face you overcame in Jesus name Amen